This is the Future of Digital Art podcast, brought to you by Sachi Art. This show is dedicated to empowering emerging artists by helping them better understand how they can use technology to expand their art offerings. In each episode, we'll interview successful NFT artists, collectors, and digital art influencers. They'll share insights on how the art world is changing, how they got involved in digital art, art NFTs, the creator economy, and actionable advice that you can use to grow your portfolio and win at the future of digital art. I'm your host, Capucin Jenkins, curator of digital art and NFTs at Saatchi Art. Now let's dive right into the show we have planned for you today. Hey everyone, and thanks for listening to another episode of the Future of Digital Art podcast. Today, I'm speaking with Natalie Aniela. Thanks for chatting with me today, Nat. Want to introduce yourself to our audience? Hi, thanks very much for having me. My name's Natalie, or my artist name is Aniela. I'm a British fine art photographer. I've been a photographer for around 15 years now, and I started very much as a child of the digital age. Started out taking pictures of myself, actually, creating them um, before selfie was a thing, creating self portraits. And from there, I got into fashion photography work, and that's been the bulk of what I do. And then I've been going into other projects from there. Um, I do all kinds of things that are considered to be, I guess, kind of in the cutting edge of technology, like I use these days CGI and um, I do films also with my work. So, yeah, I've had a very interesting 15 years, and it's, and yet it feels like it's just beginning for me too. That's great. Yeah, we're really excited to have you. Why don't you tell us a little more about your background and the work that you do, maybe a little more in detail? I got into photography around 2006 when I was a student. I was actually an English student, not a photography student. And photography was something I got into my spare time as a hobby in between lectures at university when I was bored. And also, it was a very lonely time for me. I was about 19 years old at the time and I wasn't very happy really I felt very isolated I wasn't a very social person and photography was a way for me to create my own world really I created pictures of myself and so it was a very insular kind of private process and that really drew me in particularly because in some of the pictures I would create multiples of myself so to create a very eye-catching composition and then I started putting those online on photo sharing websites and I became hooked by the fact that people were interested in my work. And I think I always wanted to be an artist unconsciously. And this was how my dream was playing out. And then from there, I just taught myself. Because people always ask me, am I self-taught? And yeah, that's how I started, just by experimenting. And then that's how I gradually improved my skills through the years and became more confident with working with models and working with professional lighting because I didn't shoot any lighting at first. I just did everything very simply and gradually my camera got better and I became more confident to travel and work in teams and to extend my surrealistic vision onto other subjects. And then to start to kind of branch off from there and try other things. Like, for example, one thing I created was a huge face full of paintings digitally montaged into the face. And that was a kind of real extension of the minimal background from which I started. Um, And seeing that hung in the window of a Michelin star restaurant in West London. And then it just only got better from there. So then I extended into different projects with more ambitious visions 
and working with other artists that would help bring something to the image, like CGI artists and other photographers that were able to do specialist things for my visions. And getting involved with Saatchi around 2010 or 2009, something like that, was Mm. a real turning point because that's where my art really started to sell fairly consistently as fine art. I've been selling fine art since the earliest days, but very erratically. And that's when I really, things really started to take off and I was taken more and more seriously. So yeah, that's me in a nutshell. Yeah. What exactly was it that drew you to photography as a medium? Well, initially, like I say, it was a distraction. It was something that took me away from my isolating thoughts and I could create something visual totally by myself because obviously I was only using myself as a model at first and there's big pros and cons to that it's great because you don't have to direct anybody or pay anybody or be self-conscious about directing somebody else to do something for you but it also is very difficult to be on both sides of the lens but I love the fact that it was very luxuriously private and I could create something quite instantly with the camera because obviously if you're painting something I mean I'm very much envy the skills of painters to be able to create something privately as well but with photography it's a lot more instant and through the years when I began to direct other models don't get me wrong it's difficult because you have to then gather those models gather all the props costumes whatever it is put it all together and make it match what's in your head and that's not easy at all but when you get it all right and you get the vision you want it's such a rewarding feeling and it is relatively instantaneous as well because it's right there in front of you, first on set and then on the computer screen and then in print. And the feeling is amazing because you are bringing to life something that you want to show the world. And when people get it and get the vision, and then even when people get have an interpretation you didn't plan, they see something even deeper in the image than you even saw, that's just an amazing feeling. I, I just live for that. Yeah, that's amazing. How would you describe the state of digital art today in relation to photography? I think there's a lot of different levels of digital art. I think it depends on who is interpreting what digital art is defined as, because some people could say that any picture taken on a digital camera is digital art, especially in the very traditional areas of the art world. They might still look askance at anything taken with a digital camera, mm-hmm. you know, because obviously a lot of photographers still work in the traditional um, film medium and they're very particular about what is art and what is not. And then you can go to the opposite end of the extreme where you've got things that are almost look like graphic design and obviously the most extremely simplistic NFTs that are out there that are almost just kind of, you know, some of them are just avatars and people mm-hmm. buying it. Just not anything that's not even a, a photographic, it's pure digital it's not even so much about the picture as much as the value of the asset or the name behind it. And then obviously you've got everything in between where you have composited photography that's not just taken up a digital camera but put together in Photoshop. And Photoshop is something that's looked at still quite suspiciously by areas of the traditional photography world because they, a lot of the time, don't like the idea of a photograph being tampered with. And so I've always, my work has been looked at suspiciously by those areas of that fine art world because I started off very clearly as a child of digital age, photoshopping pictures of myself and then creating very elaborate, surreal pictures of models with very obviously enhanced elements in them. I think there's a lot of different areas to digital art and it depends how you define it, but 
I think it's very much a territory that is always expanding. And I think that in terms of my relationship to it, I don't mind people knowing me for my forays into digital art, but I would never label myself because I only try to use what's appropriate to a photograph. I, I, never, I never like to just use Photoshop for the sake of it. I always want to bring what's going to enhance the image and not use too much. Like I love to shoot in real locations and I always want that location to shine for the picture and not to obscure it with too much, you know. So I'm always very sensitive to how much of a digital magic, as it were, to put into my work. And I always try to definitely make good use of it, but also not trying to overdo it for the sake of the medium in itself. I'm still thinking about the digital magic that you're talking about. Yeah. I do yeah. think that's something that, that might be the key to digital art overall. That kind of production that, you know, necessarily isn't craftsmanship, that isn't tied to an object and how an artist is able to, in their way, recreate that magic through a digital medium. I find that really interesting. I'm curious, what have been some of your favorite projects that you've worked on? Not to play favorites, but... (laughs) Well, my surreal fashion work, it's not really a series. It's more like, I mean, you can call it a series if you want, but it's more like a collection because I've shot so many images over probably more than seven years now, going on over 10 years and they've all become kind of lumped together under this heading of surreal fashion it's, that's why what I ended up doing is just ascribing my whole Miss Daniela identity to that work that I create because surreal fashion is basically a whole load of projects that are um, under that umbrella and so for example um, if I could just pluck out of thin air one of the more later images we shot in surreal fashion was shot in a place called Hocum Hall and we shot a model standing in a beautiful room. took a lot of time to set that up and to style a model, but then afterwards we went into an even deep stage of embellishment and had a CGI artist create a huge pair of wings on this model. So this whole thing was a project in itself, even though it's part of a bigger body of work. Surreal fashion has allowed us to just do lots of crazy things. So there's another stately location in England called... Beaver Castle, where we shot um, a couple of models, one sitting on a bed with a huge house of playing cards behind her, which is one of my favourite pictures called Poker Face. There's actually no Photoshop really in that picture. It's just everything is in camera. She's dressed up as she is. The cards are all there. They're huge playing cards that have been glued together. And, and those are just a couple of the surreal fashion images that I like because they involve going to those beautiful locations and I really love, you know, stately, quaint houses of that kind and that's just surreal fashion but outside of surreal fashion I've also done a series called the faces series I've done three of those in total they're very high labor intensive works where I shoot the face in very high detail and then I take hundreds of classical art paintings from history and basically plaster them digitally all over the face now it has to be done very strategically and it's done to a theme so there's a Chinese face and there's a kind of a British painting history and then there's another one that's made up of paintings from that are to do with fire on one side of the face and the sea on the other side of the face and that was for a restaurant that wanted that particular kind of um, split of theme going across the face so those were very rewarding because those I made to print huge so that people could see those tiny little details and so when you're working like that you have to really get in close when you're in photoshop on every little pixel and it's nice to think of this thing the final product not being on the screen, it's made to go on the wall and people to be able to pour over 
for ages. But anyway, th- th- those are just a few things that come to mind, but there's lots of other stuff I've done, obviously, and those are just some of them. Yeah. So I'm curious, what excites you the most about digital art right now? I would say that I, I like the idea that the art world can kind of get over the snobbery of the medium, per se, and embrace the possibilities of what the digital allows us to do. Like I was saying earlier about using digital appropriately and not just using it for the sake of it. I think when Photoshop first started to become really prolific, I think people got excited and wanted to use every technique they could. And so was I, you know, because I wanted to, you know, obviously like when people love the idea of layers and creating different layers and making very ostentatious pictures, multiple cells, etc. And HDR, you know, people went crazy with HDR and bringing out every shadow in a picture to kind of LSD propulsions and and also the same with lots of different techniques. I think it's good to get to a point where we use these tools as much as they need to be used, more for a purpose of a vision. So rather than just for the sake of it. So you have a vision that you want to convey with photography, whether it's documentary photography or whether it's on the other end of the extreme contrived tableau photography, which is what I do. And then you use what's appropriate to it. So in terms of the future of digital photography, I don't know, I think there's a possibility that it becomes more invisible. It becomes more about the attention of the artist and we take that more seriously, whatever tools they've used. And yeah, it still may be the case that something that is really crazy and elaborately put together, it might be obvious that the artist has used a lot of montaging or what have you, but there's a reason to it, there's a purpose behind it, and, and that's accepted and focused on more than the journey to get there, per se. Because I think there's a lot of novelty about the excitement of using something new that we can collectively kind of get over with and, and, and really think about what's important about art and the excitement behind what the artist is trying to say and the feeling they're trying to evoke with the final piece. Yeah, many of your works feel like film stills instead of just more static images. How does storytelling sort of affect your work overall? So this is something that I kind of a bit of both actually mm. through my time as a because with a lot of the surreal fashion, they started out a bit more like we're just concentrating on making my nice image. And it's almost like an elaborate portrait of somebody. And but then we would end up making an image that did lend a lot of story to the interpretation that the viewer can, that the viewer can take because it wasn't just a standard portrait. It was a full-length image of somebody standing in an amazing costume in an amazing place mm-hmm. with maybe some props involved. So there naturally comes more kind of more, more to what's going on in the scene. Mm-hmm. But then as I got better, I think, and more confident, I started to have more of a vision of what the story might be mm-hmm. and then to put that into the process as well. Um, but it still was focused on just making someone look awesome. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, surreal fashion wasn't so much like, oh, I've, I've got to create a story of this woman is in this room and she's thinking of this, doing that. Because I found that really limiting because once you've locked all these ingredients down into the frame, mm-hmm. I want them to be able to breathe. I don't want my oppressive kind of prescription presiding over it and saying, well, she's got to look that way because such and such is happening now. However, I have evolved even further from that for certain projects. So, for example, my Birth on Disturbed series, which I do under my name of Natalie Leonard, because it's a bit more on a different dialogue from the surreal fashion work. Mm-hmm. In this body of work, I'm a lot more specific about what the vision is going to be. So um, there will be a lot more of a storyboard where the characters 
might be looking a certain way, needs to be in a certain spot, there needs to be a certain kind of costume, and this is what's happening. And I found that equally amazing to work on because I do have a very specific vision. And I'm glad that there is a part of me that can work a lot more um, didactically than than musically, Mm -hmm. as I would normally do with this real passion work. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'm the mixture, I guess, of what I'm trying to say. It depends on what stage of my career I'm in. And storytelling is a funny one because sometimes if you try too hard, well, this is just in my experience, if you try too hard, try to tell a particular narrative, you can potentially shut down the lines of the image because you might be kind of stamping it down too much. But then again, some photographers are, are better at doing that than others. I mean, I find that I just work better when I free up the components a bit more to to experimentation. And then, um, but then on other certain projects, there is more of a particular thing you're trying to say. So with the birth series, for example, I was saying that, you know, um, there is something that's going on that you can't actually experiment too much because there is a remit that you're working within. And I think as an artist, as long as you know what remit you're working in and how much you can push the boundaries of what you're doing on that particular day when you're shooting it, then you know where you are with it and you feel liberated by the fact that you know the limits of how much you can push it. Because when a photographer comes out to shoot, they can have hundreds of pictures and then they need to know which ones to pick and which ones to put forward. And it's quite a bewildering process. And if you can just limit it to a particular scope, because people will still bring so many different interpretations to the picture when you finish it mm-hmm. in terms of story. And I found that really fascinating to see how many different stories people do pull out of my work where I was concentrating on one thing and there comes lots of different things that in different people's minds at the other end of it. Yeah, that's really great to hear. So in five years, and maybe that's a little too far, let's say in three years, what will the future of digital art look like to you? I don't know. I think it might go crazy. I mean, the, the NFT world has certainly opened up this almost Pandora's box, perhaps, because you've got so many different kinds of artists entering that space. So you have people who might not consider themselves artists that are producing what is then called NFT art. And then you've got traditional artists and photographers who were always working in you know, more traditional spaces entering that space with their works and trying to make that fit into that world. And so it's going to be quite a busy marketplace of lots of different kinds of assets, as it were, being sold. And I don't know, I guess that means there's going to be more competition, but then also there's going to be so much possibility and power in what you're able to do, what you're able to create. Mm. I mean, if we just look at the way that, for example, social media has gone over the last few years, like Instagram and how it's changed in terms of the video content. I mean, I just put a video on there for the first time in ages the other day and I'm amazed to see how much has changed, you know, because people have these reels on Instagram and these reels have, you know, short bursts of music and and it's almost like people's attention span has gone so down that they need something like, almost like a shot of visual caffeine so we can pay more than three seconds of attention to something and... And so everyone's got to make this quick and instant version of what they do and boil it down to a couple of seconds on a, on a phone screen. And at first I didn't like it. I was like, oh, God, what's Instagram now? I mean, I have to make everything I do, like, really abbreviated. But, mm. but then there's also an opportunity in that. 
Because if you do, because I know that when I look at videos on Instagram, I don't pay much attention to anything that takes longer than three seconds to get to the point. So I think, you know, I'm just one of those people out there that if I want my work to be seen on that platform in particular, then I have to adapt and create something that will catch people's eyes in the same way. And there's an opportunity there. And I think this is the same, the digital world as a whole, more generally. So there is an opportunity to create something it doesn't necessarily have to be the work itself that you create, but just a version of the work you make to enter that digital marketplace. It might be that you create some kind of digital asset of your work. You can still work in whatever traditional way you do, but if you can create some kind of um, digital version of your work, and that's, I guess, what the NFT world is, is, mm-hmm. is creating a digital version of work that you might already have. I mean, obviously, there are artists that are working very specifically to creating NFTs, and they've being birthed into that world. But then you have a whole load of photographers like myself who are coming into the world having not been in there previously and creating a new version of their work. So with my surreal fashion images, we create an animated version of a work that has previously just been a you know, static print image that's been sold as fine art, and then we create an NFT animated version. So it's kind of adapting to that world, I think, and just seeing where you can, I don't know, surprise yourself with something that can go around the world instantly because that's really what it's all about. It's about reaching the whole world with something, something that may be, you know, like I say, an abbreviated version of the more considered work that you enjoy creating. So, yeah, I mean, it's hard to say exactly what will happen in three years' time with the whole digital world, but I just think to see it as an opportunity whatever happens and to make use of it and to think of yourself in different channels think of it as a way to show your work not just always has doesn't always have to be the actual work you create it can always be a channel of how you show your work to the world in that way that makes sense Mm -hmm. yeah for sure okay final question what are the top three pieces of advice you have for artists who are just getting started with digital art i would say to allow yourself the luxury of focusing on topic might be one of the most rewarding things you ever do because I know artists all work in different ways, but um, some like to focus on something for one month, some like to focus on something for 10 years, and it really depends on how much time you want to devote. But if you can focus on the topic for that particular length of time that you choose, it really allows you to get under the skin of it and um, and people will appreciate that and take it seriously if they see you doing that. I mean, I, I've done that with births for five years on my Birth or Disturb project. I mean, it's a beautiful thing in life to focus on something because we're just we're just rushing around so much, especially, you know, that's one thing that is a downside of the digital world. It's just rushing around. And when we're on our phones, we're just seeing a million things pop up. On us. And it's very nice to just give yourself a treat of being able to go away and just focus on something, whatever topic that might be. Mm-hmm. Another piece of advice I'll give is, um, I would say when you get better and better equipment, just consider and keep in mind how that changes the way you create. Mm-hmm. So I think sometimes people just assume that the better equipment you get, the better images you make, and that's not always the case mm-hmm. because you might, you might find it just actually changes the way you create something. And if it changes the way you create something, it's not, you know, you have to just bear that in mind. So, for example, the most expensive camera I've used is Phase 1 IQ3, and I've shot my latest projects, including some of my latest surreal fashion pictures with this camera. But I found that it is hard to shoot sometimes my surreal fashion pieces because my surreal fashion pieces were born out of kind of experimentation and whimsy. And if you've got files like coming out of the camera that are very 
high resolution and I almost feel very precious about them and it, and it does kind of um, paralyze me a little bit from playing with them as much as I might have done when they came off my off the camera mm -hmm. and so you have to just bear in mind what feeds your creativity and just make sure you keep that in mind I have found that that camera does work so nicely for my birth series on the other hand because I'm working a lot more aesthetic way with that series and so just bear in mind you don't have to be one thing you don't have to be one piece of equipment you don't have to just work with one camera you don't have to just work with one series different strokes for different folks mm -hmm. um, but different strokes for different parts of your identity your practice whatever the third piece of advice would be only you really know where you're going so there's been times in my career where I have kind of expected someone to tell me which of my work is good and which one shall I kind of keep going with. And it kind of makes me laugh when I look back because how is anyone else supposed to tell me like what I should be doing? And you, you've got to kind of focus on what you do and put it out there and try not to do too many things at once. Like going back to the first thing I said, focusing on one topic perhaps. I think sometimes in my career I've just done too much and then presented it to somebody and wanted them to tell me kind of what should I do next kind of thing and I think you owe it to yourself just to be able to say okay I'm going to decide where I'm going I, I need I'm the one that needs to decide where I'm going no matter how many experts or gallerists or curators I run into and don't get me wrong getting advice from those people is great but they can't tell you where to go they can't tell you to be you have to decide that for yourself so um, yeah that's well I'll end that one there before I go in too long but that's that's uh, <laughs> quite a good thing that I picked up for myself from the years. Yeah, great. Well, that's all we have time for today. But before we wrap, if people want to follow you, where should they go? Obviously, I'm doing this interview with Miss Aniela. My Miss Aniela Instagram page is at Miss Aniela, all one word. And um, surrealfashion.co.uk is where you see uh, most of all of my surreal fashion series. My work is available through Xeno Fine Arts and I am always posting about them on my Instagram so you'll be able to see them tagged and you'll see more of my Surreal Fashion on their website actually because I'm always releasing new work from them every month. And my birth series, Birth from Disturbed, you can see under my other artist name, Natalie Leonard, L-E-N-N-A-R-D. And that's a different side to what I do, but it was recently all exhibited together with my Surreal Fashion work in London, a show that's on now actually at S&P Gallery in South Kensington. So that's quite exciting to see two sides of my work brought together. Yeah, so Instagram is the best place, I think. And then from there, you can get links outwards to, to see each series, each body of work on their websites. Thank you so much again. And we're really looking forward to seeing more of your work. So yeah, let's chat again. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me. And I hope it's been interesting to, for you to chat about digital art. It's certainly been interesting for me to reflect on everything. And yeah, thanks again. Thanks for listening to the Future of Digital Art podcast brought to you by Saatchi Art. If you enjoyed today's show, please do us a favor and leave us a rating or review. If you'd like to find out more about Saatchi Art's first ever art NFT collection, The Other Avatars, or to engage with Saatchi Art as an artist, please visit www.sachiart.com forward slash NFT. Thanks, and I'll catch you again on the next episode.